Welcome to the Smart Weight Loss Coaching Podcast. I'm Dr. Lisa Olson, a board-certified weight loss medicine specialist and certified life coach. In this podcast, I'll share fresh insights and effective techniques for incorporating mindset, habit change, and proven science into your life. Are you ready to achieve sustainable weight loss, wellness, and longevity? Then let's jump in and lose weight the smart way. What's the single most robust behavioral tool we have for weight loss? One that's been proven over and over again to work, that's free, it's easy, that doesn't take more than three minutes each day? I'm talking about tracking. Today, we're going to talk about why it's so hard to stick to a habit of tracking your food and how you might turn that around based on a scientific study published this summer in the journal Obesity. As always, let me offer a brief apology. Why my field has not replaced the name of our preeminent journal with something less pejorative than obesity is beyond me. On this podcast, we all understand that the term is simply medical lingo that means a body mass index or BMI over 30. When I'm queen of the healthy, happy weight universe, I promise I'll change the name. Let me tell you that the data from today's podcast is relevant for you, whether your BMI is 25, 35, 50, or beyond. We're talking about tracking, which can help all of us when we're trying to lose and also when we're trying to maintain weight loss. The information I'll share will help you create new healthy habits and can also be used to extinguish old habits. Over a decade ago, I was considering leaving primary care to help people with weight loss. Before embarking on a new career, I decided to make a project out of meeting and interviewing 10 people who had each lost about 100 pounds and kept it off. I wanted to better understand what helped them and what didn't, to understand their personal struggles and their victories. I was also curious if their doctors had been helpful and if so, how. One recurring theme in these interviews was their commitment to tracking, even when there was very little variation in what they ate, and even after they had reached their new baseline maintenance weight. I recall one woman who ate the same thing for breakfast and lunch every single day with almost no variation. She rotated through about five different healthy dinners. Again, very little variation there. This is what worked for her to maintain her weight, and she was committed to her system. And yet, she still tracked her food. Every single day she tracked her food, year after year, despite being in maintenance for a very long time when I met her. She explained that it kept her focused on what worked for her, and if she noticed the scale creeping up a few pounds, she could always discover the issue by reviewing her food tracker. Continuing to track year after year, even in maintenance, reminds me of the data on weight loss. Those who show up for group programs the most, those who engage, they have the highest rates of weight loss and maintenance. Attendance matters. Tracking is a form of attendance in your own one-person weight management program. You show up for yourself every day that you pick up your phone app or your notebook and write down what you've eaten. Is it just me or does this remind anyone else of AA? 
I've always been really intrigued by the fact that many people continue to attend AA or Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, even when they've been sober for years or decades. It's the showing up that keeps them on track. Ditto for tracking your food. If you want to lose weight and keep it off, keep showing up for yourself with tracking. Personally, I use tracking in two different ways. I'm in maintenance of my weight loss, and I don't track my food every single day. However, when I see my weight starting to creep up, which often happens, if I'm consistently three to five pounds up from my maintenance weight, I'll start to track again. Almost always, this reveals the issue. For me, it might be more sweets sneaking into my week, or occasionally it's simply that I'm overeating at breakfast. (laughs) definitely for the mouth party. I love to eat plain Greek yogurt with fruit, chia seeds, pepitas, and nuts sprinkled on top. When I have that breakfast in a small side dish type of bowl, it's the perfect serving size to keep me satisfied until lunchtime. When I start putting it in a larger cereal bowl, however, I know what that means. My weight will slowly creep up over time. That's definitely eating beyond enough and yet somehow I catch myself doing it occasionally because this breakfast tastes so good. That's when tracking saves me. The other place I've found tracking to be helpful is to manage my wine consumption. I love red wine. In fact, my mom used to own a little boutique wine shop, so I learned a little bit about wine when I'd work for her. Occasionally, I'd help out at Friday night wine tasting events. If I don't track my wine, it's easy for the amount I drink to sneak up on me. When I track it each night, it's so satisfying to write zero, zero, zero. I just came off two weeks with all zeros in my tracker, and then I had two nights in a row with one drink each last weekend. Now I'm back to zeros again. I feel great about that. The tracker becomes my reward. So let's get back to this journal article that tells us more about tracking. The paper comes to us from Ron Shu and Richard Banner out of the University of Connecticut and was funded by the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, which is part of the NIH, the National Institutes of Health. They studied 153 participants of a commercial digital weight management program in order to learn more about how much tracking was required to lose 3, 5, or 10% of the body weight at six months. Let's talk about what this study adds to what we already know. Well, we already have data telling us that there's an association between tracking and weight loss success. For example, there's one study showing that tracking six out of every seven days on at least nine out of every 12 weeks of a lifestyle intervention program was associated with greater weight loss. People who hit that threshold, which was about half of the people in that study, People who tracked that much were more likely to lose at least 5% of their weight. Compare half of them hitting 5% weight loss with only 13% of them hitting 5% weight loss when they didn't track that often. Another study looked at people who considered themselves rare trackers. That means they tracked less than one-third of the time. There were also intermediate trackers who tracked from about one-third to two-thirds of their days, and then consistent trackers who tracked at least two-thirds of the days. The consistent trackers lost the most weight, no surprise, and importantly, they kept it off, 
unlike the rare or infrequent trackers who lost less weight and tended to regain their weight. One approach to improving our likelihood of food tracking might be to better understand the minimum baseline for tracking that will lead to success. If we hold ourselves to an expectation that we'll track 100% of the days and that we'll capture 100% of the things that we put in our mouths, that's not realistic. And that's what the research tells us too. Have you ever heard the adage, if you bite it, write it? Let's go ahead and reject that because the data doesn't support it. Of course, it's not as catchy to say, if you bite it, write it down about two-thirds of the time because that's still good enough for weight loss and maintenance. (laughs) So since that's not quite as catchy, I know many of us still think, if you bite it, write it. I guess we can also abandon a little rhyme I made up, if you nibble it, scribble it. Again, it's just not true that we have to track perfectly in order to lose weight. Why do some people have such a hard time sticking to tracking? I'd submit that we're making it too hard. We're holding ourselves to perfection, this idea that we have to track constantly in order for it to work. One approach to improve our willingness to track might be to reduce the effort involved. Let's simplify the task. We can track for fewer days or fewer meals on our tracking days. Or perhaps we can relieve ourselves of the burden of tracking the healthiest foods we eat, like fruits and vegetables. We might consider changing our method of tracking, using an app versus a Google Doc versus pen and paper. If what you've been doing isn't working for you, just pivot, try something else. Having worked with people for many years, I often find that people are drawn to the tracking apps like MyFitnessPal or Lose It. But if they have a hard time sticking to it, they tend to do better switching to writing down their food in a cute notebook that they keep on their bedside table. Here's an interesting fact. The only form of tracking that's not associated with weight loss from this study is when you track with photos. There are photo tracking apps, and for a while, some women in my program tracked with photos. But if we follow the science, we know that doesn't work for most people when it comes to weight loss. We have data telling us that adding minute details to our tracker doesn't translate to better outcomes. Based on that information, I encourage the women in my group to keep it simple. Using my breakfast example from earlier, I might track by writing nothing more than this. Coffee, yogurt, small bowl. If you ask me what that means, I can elaborate. I drink my coffee black. It's Faye 5% plain Greek yogurt. Today's fruit was blueberries, and I filled more than half of the bowl with fruit. So the yogurt was just one large plop of a spoonful. You'll notice that I didn't measure that or get detailed on the amount. Then there was a sprinkle of walnuts, pepitas, chia seeds, and flax seeds. Again, I don't measure or track all of this detail because the research says it's not necessary for weight loss. Writing coffee, yogurt, small bowl is enough to know what I mean. If I ate something unusual, then I'd record it with a little more information. For example, if I have yogurt at a breakfast restaurant, then I might get more detailed because I know the yogurt is more likely to have added sugar and the things that are sprinkled on top are likely to have added honey or other forms of sugar. And I'd record the amount by keeping it simple. 
small, medium, or large portion. Actually, I could make an argument for writing in my tracker, medium portion yogurt restaurant, because that tells me all I need to know. It's probably not quite as healthy as my usual homemade yogurt, and the amount is a bit larger. That's it. I'm a fan of the Weight Watchers or WW approach that gives you zero-point foods. In case you're not familiar with their program, most foods and drinks are given a point value based on calories, saturated and unsaturated fat, added sugar, protein, and fiber. Zero-point foods are so healthy that you get a free pass and don't necessarily have to track them. These are fruits like fruits and vegetables, lean proteins, beans, lentils, peas, and so on. Imagine if your diet was made up mostly of these zero-point foods. You'd lose weight and tracking would be so easy. Coming back to the study from this summer, no surprise that the more people track, the more weight they lost. What's exciting is that even tracking for 28% of the days, barely more than one quarter of the days, was associated with some weight loss at six months. Those who tracked for 28% of the days lost at least 3% of their body weight and kept it off. You might think this is too small of an amount to matter, but actually we have evidence that there is a metabolic benefit to as little as 3 to 5% weight loss. On the other end of the scale are the participants with the highest tracking frequency. These folks tracked an average of 67% of the days during their six-month program they lost greater than or equal to 10% of their body weight. This is an excellent outcome for a lifestyle intervention program that didn't involve medication. Just think about it for a minute. Those with the highest weight loss at six months didn't even track for 56 out of the 168 days. That's so reasonable. It's not asking a lot of effort for a fantastic result. Maybe you think that tracking two-thirds of the time isn't realistic for you. Okay, perhaps you'd find it easier to track 39% of your food. If so, you can expect to lose about 5% of your body weight or a little more. Once again, moderate tracking effort is sufficient to produce metabolically meaningful weight loss results. And by making the healthiest foods free foods that you don't have to track, you could reduce the effort involved. By the way, in case you're curious, there were two factors associated with a higher rate of consistent tracking, being older and being married or cohabitating. It's hard to say if there was a gender difference because there were so many women in the study, many more women than men. In this study, no one achieved 100% tracking. Everyone forgot sometimes, and now we know that's okay. You can still lose a lot of weight, even when you forget to track, as long as you circle back and resume. If you'd like to tackle the most effective behavioral intervention that we have for weight loss, meaning tracking, of course, I have 10 quick hints to help you get started and stick with it. Hint number one, follow the science and cut yourself some slack about how often you track. If you forget, no sweat, reset. Just start up again when you remember. Hint number two, if you're having a hard time remembering to track, that's not a personal failure. You just need a reminder system. Set a recurring reminder or an alarm on your phone. Or perhaps lay your tracking notebook on a counter or near your bed where you're going to see it regularly. Hint number three, 
If you don't find your current system easy or appealing, try something else. If you're doing an online tracker, switch to paper. But if paper isn't working for you, move to an app or the notes section of your phone. Number four, don't consider it a failure if you miss a third or even half of the days. Actually, that's a win. Congratulate yourself and keep up the good work. Number five, keep it simple. No need to measure or count anything. Just capture the basic information. Number six, simplify further by leaving off the cleanest foods like fruits, veggies, beans, lentils, and lean protein. However, keep in mind that sometimes capturing those foods can feel rewarding. So if it feels amazing to see all of your healthy choices on your tracker, then go for it and write those down. Number seven, be patient with yourself and understand that it takes time and practice to form a new habit. This is a habit that can help you the rest of your life. So start practicing now and keep up your tracking over your lifetime. Number eight, don't be afraid to give yourself a little pep talk and get back to it if you drift off. Nothing has gone wrong. You're simply being a normal human who tracks imperfectly and sometimes forgets. Number nine, talk with a friend about your tracking project. We all do better when we have an accountability partner or a group. Get someone else to do it with you, whether or not you actually show one another your trackers. Number 10, finally, reward yourself for a job well done. If you track half of the days, treat yourself to a prize. Of course, this prize should be something to support your weight loss goals, like a new pair of sneakers or a step counter. So what's your NBA today, your next best action? I hope it's going to involve tracking. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like more support during your smart weight loss journey, check out our group coaching program at smartweightlosscoaching.com. Until next time, stay well and stay smart.